So, this is going to be the last, at least for the time being, sermon around the theme of spiritual gifts. And you might think, what a strange passage to choose to read. I don't know how many of you have read through uh, Exodus and the story that went uh, on there. Many children, if you go to Sunday school, you kind of learn bits. You hear that uh, the uh, Israelites, they were ended up as slaves in Egypt. You hear about them escaping. You hear about various, uh, you hear about the Ten Commandments and the stone tablets, and you hear about the good battles that were won and marching around um, uh, Jericho. Thank you. There you go. That's what happens. Still a student. Two weeks. Um, you hear about the crossing of uh, the water on dry land. You hear about the miracles. But you don't spend a huge amount of time on the detail of the development of the tabernacle. And if you've chosen to read through, it's quite possible that what will happen is you'll read and you get to a certain point. And there's various lists of names. There's lists of construction techniques and things. And you think, this is dull. Because actually reading about it, it's not the most thrilling part of the story to tell. But if you just stop for a moment and think... Here's a group of people. They've been slaves for a number of generations. Pharaoh did not want them to leave. And so various plagues came along, brought by God to try and you know, loosen up Pharaoh's frame of mind. And they got progressively worse to the point where, he says, where Pharaoh says, OK, leave. And so the Israelites leave. They've been slaves. And yet, here we are, not that long after, and Moses is saying, take the gold and the silver and the bronze, the blue and purple and scarlet yarn and fine linen and goat hair and ram. How on earth do a group of people who have been slaves for all these years have all these jewels and precious metal and, and lovely fabrics and fibres in order to do this? Let me tell you, because there is some detail. In Exodus 12, now this is where I've got, it says in Exodus 12, if we skip back, during the night, Pharaoh summoned Moses and Aaron and said, up, leave my people, you Israelites, go worship the Lord as you have requested. Take your flock, and herds, as you have said, and go, and also bless me. The Egyptians urged the people to hurry and leave the country, for otherwise, they said, we will all die. So the people took their dough before the yeast was added and carried it on their shoulders in kneading troughs wrapped in clothing. The Israelites did as Moses instructed and asked the Egyptians for articles of silver and gold and for clothing. The Lord had made the Egyptians favourably disposed toward the people and gave them what they asked for. I can't imagine, I find it hard to imagine the scenario as it is, but imagine 
that you have been a slave and beaten down and worn down and worked hard and for years and years. That's all they will have known because it was a number of generations. And then there's a number of things happening and maybe you get a bit excited. It's time to move on. Things are about to change. No, it won't happen. Sure, it can't possibly happen. And you see, you know, some of the um, different things taking place. And you think, OK, the thing with the frogs, if that didn't turn them, the plague of frogs, if that didn't turn them, still got no chance. They'll still have been the doubters. They'll have been the naysayers. And there were the wounds going, maybe. And then as things progress, and then turning around the audacity to think that those people who you've been slave to, and you'll say, oh, could I have some gold and silver to take on my way, please? And for them to say, why, yes, of course. Take what you need. Go. It's a strange scenario. It, I can't imagine it happening unless, of course, it's as the Lord had instructed and willed. And I don't know if you look around this church and you think, you can look at the building and you think mm, yeah there's some peeling paint there's some floor that's a bit worn there's bits and pieces <sighs> got to thank Phil because Phil helped me out on uh, Thursday evening and as requested it's been in the plans for ages we just haven't had time but someone when we did the review said why have we got the kitchen here it should be at the back well, because it's hard work, isn't it, Phil? We've only moved half of it. But it's at the back now. The other half will eventually move. We can do that. That didn't cost any money. Other things might cost a little bit, but fairly cheap. And there's other things that we'll need to do that cost a bit more. And we might look around and think, but there's not enough of us. A lot of us, we don't work. We don't earn enough money. I've got my own bills to pay got my own house to keep in order. Those things are all true. And God instructs us to take care of our families. There's no point in not. We're supposed to look after our families. So that's a good thing to do. What the Israelites didn't do was to give up. I guess they had tents or various other places. It didn't say give them up so as to build the tabernacle. These were the kind of added extras that people had. And some people will have had more than others because their owners, when they were slaves, will have been able to go, have a bit more gold because they were richer. It's just the way it is. Some people wouldn't have been given anything. But they all had skills. And as you read through, or as Paris read through for us, what I love about this, the reason I chose this passage is there's this sense of well, it says in verse 20, the whole Israelite community withdrew from Moses' presence and everyone who was willing and whose heart moved him, and later on it does talk about women as well, so we can say him and her, came and brought an offering to the Lord for the work of the tent of meeting, for all its services and for sacred garments. Now, we don't have sacred garments, so we can save a few pennies there. I mean, I try to wear a suit and dress nicely, but we don't have any. There's no special robes or anything like that. If you want me to wear them, 
I don't mind, but I question you, really. (laughs) And it talks about the skilled men and women coming and making the ornate things and the beautiful cloths. And I get this sense that actually everyone was there and they heard what was needed. And and people will have gone, hey, you're a brilliant carpenter. Well, you're wonderful with the way that you weave fabric. Now, I... I don't think we necessarily need a weaver today. We don't. There's different skills we need. And they all dispersed and then they come back. And it's, it's those that are willing and whose hearts were moved. So the thing that I'm interested in, there will be some people who go, no, I'm too tired, I'm too busy, I'm... I'm focused on other things, I've got other commitments, and all those things are fine. Because it's about who is willing, and God is calling, and moving, and stirring. And if God is calling us to other things, great! If God is not calling us, and we need to be still, great! If you're not listening to God, I mean, that's another issue. And so when I imagine this community and them all coming together, they're all quite keen. And you can imagine the excitement, because they will have been on this, well, they're only partway through their journey. We're only, as a church, partway through our journey. In a few weeks' time, we will celebrate the anniversary. And it says, it depends when you class the start of the church from. Officially, it's 117 years uh, this June. And that's since, in fact, it's the building down at the end of the road, which is now people live in it. It's nice apartments or flats or whatever. If you don't know that, if you walk down this road, you can see the building. It's exactly the same shape, and it's pretty easy to work out where it was. That's when that building opened in 1900. But the, it, there was a group that met in a house across the road before a couple of years earlier, and they started a Sunday school. But 117 years, and we're just part way through our journey. God is still at work. God is still doing things. And God has brought gifted people. There's some people who've been here for years and they've brought their gifts and their talents and the fact that we have a building and a hall and a children's centre and various... They're the people that have been before, that have led the way, that have done those things. Some wish they had the energy to do more. Some are quite ready and quite deservedly ready to put feet up. I don't blame them. But we've all got gifts and skills. And my vision and my hope for us as a church isn't that we have a group of people bringing gifts, and we talked about them as apostles and prophets, evangelists, pastors and teachers. And there's others, they're just examples And there's skills that each of us have that we can bring. Not because we're made to. Not because someone said, there's this job doing and no one else will do it. There's a job that needs doing and no one will do it. We need to think again and say, is that something we should be doing? We'll move on. We'll have to think differently. But the image is of a community working together. For God's work. 
And the tabernacle was a place of worship and meeting with God. And if you read through the various rules that come up in Exodus and Leviticus, a lot of people get stuck on them and say, wow, God was really rigid back then. Why, did, why were there so many rules? That seems, it seems more relaxed now. And yet we say that God hasn't changed. And I don't believe he has changed. I think he was as relaxed then as he is now and as strict then as he is now. But in that context with that people at that time, do you know what? Some of those rules are really sensible because they didn't have the medicines that we have now. They didn't have the, the fresh running water coming into their homes that we have now. And so when somebody's ill, what's the best thing to do? Well, with kids, you keep them off school and you keep them at home. Then they said, actually, it's best if you take some time out and keep out of the village until you're clear. And then once you're clear, and it wasn't we'll reject you and kick you out, it should that they were cared for in that space, but it didn't then spread through the whole village and cause everyone to be ill and get wiped out. Because that would be silly. But we read it with our 21st century eyes on and go, well, it was terrible. They kicked them out of the village. Imagine being sent out of Usley just because you were ill. That's awful. That's not how it worked. You've got to read it in context. And there's instructions about tithes and offerings and the things that you're supposed to bring. And actually, if you read through the Bible, you discover that they change. In the beginning, when tithes were first brought, when the instructions were first given, before the temple was built, when it was a tabernacle and it was moving, actually people brought things locally. You brought it to the people nearest you. And what you were supposed to do with the things that you brought wasn't, well part of it was to support the tabernacle and, and the local worshipping community. Some of it enabled the Levites or the priests to be able to do their work. So if you were a farmer, you worked the land. In order for the priests to be able to be free to pray and bring offerings and do the things that priests do, if they were free from work in the land, they could do the other stuff. So everybody else gave a little bit and it meant that they could do the priestly things. But the other part of it was that they were to share that. They were to have a meal. And the meal was for the whole family and they were to invite the priest. So if you want to invite me over for dinner, I'm not a priest, I don't have that title, but I'm, you know, I like food. I've mentioned it a couple of times already this service. And it says that they invited strangers or aliens to the land it says they were to invite the widows and the orphans. And so it wasn't just about going, right, now we need to give money in order to make the temple look grand. That missed the point. The point was, God is saying, as a community, it says it in this particular section, it talks about a free will offering. You're not being told you must give. It's not a tax. It's not a burden. It's something... What would you like to give? What has God placed on your heart? And when you bring that, when you bring that, yes, some of it might be used for the work of this community in order to, you know, we need to maintain buildings and we need to sort out policies and procedures and do that stuff. But a part of it is for the stranger, for the widows, for the orphans, for those in need. And I, I'll be honest, I'm not interested in building up a church that means we hide away in here and we have a lovely time on a Sunday and isn't it 
They give each other hugs and we have a nice cup of tea or coffee, whether you like instant or real coffee, whether you like milk, sugar or sweetener. I'm interested not in making a name for myself so you can go, we've got the most wonderful pastor. His name's, if you met our pastor, he dresses very well, he's very nice. I want to be judged as a community on how we care for the strangers, the widows, the orphans, those in need. And how we use our resources. Which are the gifts and the skills, whether it's financial or whether it's our abilities. To serve one another, to love one another, and to love our local community as far as we can. And some of that means there's jobs to do. Some of that means that there's prayers to be prayed. I tried to make a list of jobs. I printed off some copies. I managed to get through Sunday service and knew that I missed things. I managed to get through things that were related to finances or the meetings that we have to have. I thought about Sunday school. There are loads of things I just kind of went, oh, and yeah, and then there's the gathering and... Um, tea time church and games morning and Bible study and, and I made a list of just the thing let alone what's involved in making it happen and I'm going to put them around they'll be on the table at the back and we might put one on the wall and in a couple of weeks time when we have our church anniversary I'm going to put some sheets up and they're going to be broad brushstroke type sheets it's not going to be a list of every single detail of a job that needs doing or we need somebody to sand the skirting boards ready for we're not going to go into the detail of how we do things but actually if you say do you know what i quite like children and young people i'd like to find out more how i could help out then put your name down on the children and young people bit and if you think do you know what, I'm actually quite good with numbers. I could find out, I could offer something to do with balancing books or bookkeeping or, I don't know. I don't mind taking minutes in meetings. Yeah, I could do that. Actually, do you know what, I can pray. I want to know how we develop the prayer life of the church. Or whatever it might be. And so when we celebrate 117 years of being usually Baptist church or usually Baptist tabernacle as it was. That people are coming forward and saying, God has given me these gifts, he's given me these skills, there's things I'm interested in and passionate about. Do you know what? I've been really blessed because I've got this great job. And we've got more than we need. whatever it might be, that because God has placed it on your heart and because you are willing and because you love God, because you love this community that gathers in here and the community around, that actually we have a group of people that give from the heart like they did when they were building the tabernacle. And we continue to be that loving community that I fell in love with when I first came here and went, there's something, there's something about Usually Baptist Church. It took me two years to realise it was the fruit of the Spirit. Finally did, though. And I'm grateful for those that have been here for the last <clears throat> years and those that have arrived in the last 
few days, weeks, months. And they're beginning to go, yeah, there's something about this place. And I want to be involved and see what God is going to do. I'm going to pray. And then we're going to sing two songs. The first says, I lift my hands. And the second says, here I am, wholly available. As for me, I will serve the Lord. And if, if, as we're singing, you think, you know what, I want to I make, make some sort of symbolic gesture so that I do it for myself and to God to say, do you know what, I do want to use my gifts. I don't know how. I don't know, I don't know how yet. But I want to serve you, God. And I'm going to invite you. We don't do it very often. I'm going to invite you to come down to the front. You can sit on a chair at the front. And you can say, yeah, God, I'm not necessarily, it doesn't even have to be about serving this church. But it's about serving God and his kingdom. And if you want to explore ways that you can do that, that would be great. And if there's a bit of you that's going, do you know what, I feel that I've been doing things out of duty and my heart's been in the wrong place. And actually, I, I want to rediscover that passion. I want to do it because I love to do it, not because I feel I have to do it. Then you might want to just come forward too. I'm not going to pray with you at this time. I'm just going to let you have that moment where you, sometimes it's helpful just to get up and move and to go, yes, this is what I need to do to pray, and then to go back to your seat. And if you would like me to pray with you at some point, uh, then I will uh, come and let me know, uh, and I'll try and uh, follow up with you.